0: 1 Samuel 1, verse 1 to 18, and then chapter 2, verse 1 to 10. There was a certain man from, and the pronunciation might not be right, but there was a certain man from Ramathaim a Zophite from the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah, son of Jer- Jeroam, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu the son of Zufu and Ephraimite. He had two wives. One was called Hannah and the other called Panina. Panina had children, but Hannah had none. Year after year, this man went up from his town to worship and sacrifice to the Lord Almighty at Shiloh, where Hophni and Phinehas, the two sons of Eli, were priests of the Lord. Whenever the day came for Elkanah to sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to his wife Penina. And to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah he gave a double portion, because he loved her and the Lord had closed her womb. And because the Lord had closed her womb, her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. This went on year after year. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her till she wept and would not eat. Elkanah, her husband, would say to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than ten sons? Once, when they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Now Eli the priest was sitting on a chair by the doorpost of the Lord's temple. In bitterness of soul, Hannah wept much and prayed to the Lord. And she made a vow, saying, O Lord Almighty, if you will only look upon your servant's misery and remember me, and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life. And no razor will ever be used on his head. As she kept on praying to the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart, and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. Eli thought she was drunk and said to her, How long will you keep on getting drunk? Get rid of your wine. Not so, my Lord, Hannah replied. I am a woman who is deeply troubled. I have not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I have been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. Eli answered, Go in peace, and may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked him. She said, May your servant find favor in your eyes. Then she went on her way and ate something, and her face was no longer downcast. And then uh, chapter 2, verse 1 to 10. Then Hannah prayed and said, My heart rejoices in the Lord. In the Lord my horn is lifted high. My mouth boasts over my enemies, for I delight in your deliverance. There is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one beside you. There is no rock like our God. Do not keep talking so proudly or let your mouth speak such arrogance. For the Lord is a God who knows, and by him deeds are weighed. The bows of the warriors are broken. But those who stumble are armed with strength. Those who were full hire hire themselves out for food. But those who were hungry, hunger no more. She who is barren has born seven children. But she who has many, many sons, pines away. The Lord brings death and makes alive. He brings down to the grave and raises up. The Lord sends poverty and wealth. He humbles and he exalts. He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap. He seats them with the princes and has them inherit a throne of honour. For the foundation of the earth are the Lord's. Upon them he has set the world. He will guard the feet of his saints, but the wicked will be silenced in darkness. It is not by strength that one prevails. Those who oppose the Lord will be shattered. He will thunder against them from heaven. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointed.
1: Thank you. Our text is uh, the prayers of Hannah, and especially uh, thinking, first of all, from verse 11, where... She offers her prayer to God to give her a son, and then she offers him to the Lord. May he get a vow, saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery, remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son, and I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life, and no razor will ever be used on his head. And then we'll conclude by looking at that beautiful prayer she prays in chapter 2. Dear people of God, we are looking again at another of the great prayers of the Bible. And we have seen, too, how those prayers continue to reach into our life of prayer. In this particular case, we have this amazing prayer by Hannah. And I want to begin by asking you if you have ever prayed in this way, in the sense of bargaining with God, there is that, that aspect of this prayer that, that she says, God, if you do this for me, I will do that for you. And I know that, that at this point, some of the young people, some of the students have exams, and, and you get the sense too. Would they pray, Lord, if you give me an A on my exam, then I'll, I'll volunteer to do something in church. There's there's maybe some benefit, right? There's a, a bargaining with God that you could maybe maybe pray that way, or or as adults sometimes it's tax time and and things and and Lord, if you help me with my financial mess, I'll I'll give more to your work. That you would you would think oh, according to Hannah's prayer, that 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 might be a way to get, get the answer we want, right? Because that's what she does. She says, Lord, if you do this for me, I'll, I'll do that for you. So is that how we're supposed to pray? Like if, if, we, really, if we really have something we want, then, then what, if we, what if we offer God a deal? If we try to strike a bargain with him? Sometimes that's how, how Hannah's prayer is conceived initially, is thought about. Okay, this is what she does, and, and she gets results, so we should do that. But, but let's just think about it for a minute, in terms of, of the offer that she makes, in terms of what, what do we have to bargain with, the, the sense of what do we have to offer to God, what, what are good things to bargain with. Sometimes there is the sense of, God, if you help me, you know, I'll, I'll, stop, I'll stop doing something that's, that's not right. I'll stop swearing. If you help me with this, then, then I'll stop swearing. And you think about that for a minute and say, well, maybe you should just stop swearing. <laughs> it's, it's not really a huge deal maker, right? God would want you to, to live uh, properly before him. Or, or if you say God, if you would, uh, if you would do this for me, I would, I would give more of my time and talents to ministry. But yeah, really, we are called to give our full selves in, in our living before God to things of ministry and and with the gifts that we are able to. So, so it's, it's not a huge deal for God in the sense of okay, I mean this is what he would expect us to do anyway. So. So our bargaining is is a little weak. If you think about, if you have to bargain with God, after a while you realize you don't really have much to bargain with except what actually God gives and expects anyway. And so, here too, the first thing we need to realize is that in a sense Hannah realizes that and so she asks God for a son. A son is then all she has and then she'll give him back to God. So that's that's like God, you know, if if, if you give me the son, I'll give him back to you. Well well, okay, if 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 you give someone ten dollars and then they turn around and give the ten dollars back to you well it's it's it 's the same it 's not really getting anywhere there's nothing really we can give back so the bargain the bargain is is weak. generally, as Christians, the whole aspect of bargaining with God, even the aspect here where it 's making a vow uh, we discourage it. It's not, it's not the, the, the sense of, of prayer and, and how we want to approach God. It has the sense of, of, well, it takes away from the sense of prayer. Prayer is about putting God's will before ours. It's not about working out a trade to get what we want. So that whole sense of, okay, bargaining, okay, if I want something, I'll maybe make a deal with God, and I get what I want, and, and no, that's, that's, not, that's not the direction, that's not the focus. That's not the focus here either, actually. Though sometimes it gets highlighted. And so, so the question can be, well, God actually accepts the offer. He actually agrees to Hannah's bargain. When he says, uh, she says in 1 Samuel 1 verse 11, if you give me a son, then I will give him back to you. And 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 he does. And and then sometimes you look at it too. Hannah makes it, it's like a, a two-for-one deal. I'm not sure if you notice in this passage here, Hannah offers, uh, offers God two things. First of all, it is uh, the sense of of offering him back. And then... She adds number six verse two that he would be a Nazarite, that that his hair won't be shaven, that that he would live a specially devout life. And so she offers double in a sense. God, if you do this for me, that then a double bonus for you, double air miles on this deal. This is this is a huge, huge offer in a sense. And if you even look at the sense of a Nazarite vow that was generally limited to between 30 and 100 days, and she says, all his life, all his life, a razor will never be used on his head, that he will will have this extra vow, this extra sense of, of commitment, of dedication, So there there is this yeah she she makes a strong a strong commitment in this prayer and then God gives her a son and the son's name is Samuel meaning God hears God God in his grace hears and God answers her according to her prayer and then we also find that in God's grace he, he even adds a blessing. He gives her more children. 1 Samuel 2, verse 21. Later on, three sons and two daughters. But, but what is it about this prayer? This is, is a very serious thing, to come before God in prayer. And, and how do you approach him? And, and the level of sincerity. And, and can we bargain with God somehow? And is it to our advantage? Is that actually something we should consider and and reflect on? The context of Samuel is uh, of this this passage is is back in the book of Judges. Uh, you have Judges, Ruth, and then Samuel. The the book of Ruth, very beautiful account, but. the the real background to the the historical context of of this prayer is Judges 21, verse 25, the last verse of the book of Judges, where it speaks about things wrapping up and, and the time of the Judges, and then the reality that there were the Judges, there were no kings, and everybody did as he saw fit, or else everyone did what was right in their own eyes. So that's, That's the general context of the people before God as the story of Hannah comes. It's a time of of moral decay. And even Eli himself, represented here in the passage, is out of touch with God. He cannot even identify the sincere prayer of a woman in need. His sensitivity to what God wants and God's will is is weak. He jumps to a wrong conclusion. He makes uh, the situation very hurtful for Hannah. But Eli, too, is doing what is right in his own eyes and and accusing her of being drunk. Uh, To be fair, he probably had experienced drunk people in the temple before because everybody was doing whatever they wanted. And there was a real lack of sincere devotion to the Lord. And so so most likely he had more regularly to drag people out of the temple or tell them to go and sober up because it was a difficult time. It was not a a wonderful serving the Lord kind of time. So, But Eli doesn't recognize either when, when Hannah is here. But the people are out of touch with the Lord, Eli himself is out of touch. In all of that this family remains faithful Elkanah and Hannah they worship faithfully and Hannah especially is a sincere woman of God a woman of prayer so that's that's very unusual that's very strikingly different you have to recognize that her name does mean compassion grace of God or God's compassion but she does have this struggle. God has not been compassionate to her in the sense of having a child. And so she is moved to prayer in her need, in her helplessness. And that's, that's just a very basic, wonderful uh, truth in our lives. That, that when we do find ourselves at that point, where do we turn? Well, we turn to the Lord. And so, so she does that. She comes to the Lord and she makes her request Known to God, and you notice in the beginning reading as as Brian was reading, it's it's just a a, a very a very serious, a very uh, sincere request after years of of graciously uh, enduring uh, some of the uh, the torment from Peninnah, uh, but the the reality of the pain, verse seven, that she feels not having a child, and there's all. All that cultural uh, stress, and then it affects her physically she 's not eating verse eight, and spiritually she 's really, really bitter of soul. It says in verse ten and and she knows that only God can help, only God can intervene so so you have a, a very righteous, a very uh, wonderful person uh, seeking to come to God, honor God, look to God in a difficult situation in a very pure and sincere way. So, so that's the, the kind of, of context we have. And, and it would tie into our experience too, in terms of, of dealing with uh, a concern over a long period of time. So, so some things we struggle with too, year after year. And so that's the kind of thing that's going on. It it could be a personal struggle, a health struggle, uh, a question before God in terms of of maybe things that uh, children or grandchildren are doing and and wondering, Lord, why and how and would you help? And so this is is the, the sincere context that she comes before the Lord. Powerful place of prayer. And she prays. She prays very intently. Verse 13, praying from her heart, like so, so intently that, that her, her, her lips are moving, but she's not saying anything. So it's truly a prayer from the heart, that her longing that, that God would intervene, see? And, and that, that just, just laying her, her full self before the Lord, knowing that only God can help. She completely commits herself to God. And you see it in the sacred vow when she dedicates Samuel, this child, to God. There's something you need to know in relation to her dedication of Samuel. She says, if, if you give me this child, I will give him back to you. And that's all absolutely sincere, legitimate in every way. But she knows something that we don't normally know, in Leviticus chapter 27 verse 2, it speaks about those who make a vow of dedication to God. And it says, speak to the Israelites, say to them, if anyone makes a special vow to dedicate persons to the Lord, they can, by giving equivalent value, buy that person back, is what it's saying. If it is a person between one month and five years, set the value of a male at five shekels of silver. So at any point, she dedicates Samuel back to the temple, gives him to Eli. At any point, without any, any negative result, she can come with Alcana and buy him back for five bucks. That's not bad. If you read in Leviticus 27, the price goes on as he gets older. If you want to buy back someone who's older, it gets a little more expensive every time. That can be done. And you're not losing faith. You're not denying God. You're not denying your request or your prayer or anything else. But you can give him for a while and you take him back anytime. You buy him back. She could have done that. But she never did. It would have been easy to do that. She never did. She never intended to. Because that's not the purpose of the prayer. That's not what she has in mind. She honors him, offers him to God in a lifelong service. Uh, 1 Samuel 1 verse 11 again. If you notice in our text, it says too, uh, I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life. Even, even a Levite who is dedicated to the Lord and his life is dedicated to the Lord began his work at the age of 25 and retired at 50. That was it. You had done your service. But she said all the days of his life, right from when he is uh, weaned and then she brings him and then through his whole life till he dies, he is the servant of the Lord. So, so what is she saying? What is she doing? She, she could have, have brought him back. She could have limited his time of service so that it would benefit her. But her commitment to God in prayer, it's a, it's a commitment that is, is full and sincere. And her heart is set on the service of God and not on herself. If you give me a son, well, then I'll have a son. And then he'll be mine, and I'll keep him, and he'll, he'll be with me. No. She has God in mind, like the Lord's prayer. Your kingdom come, your will be done, for yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. So, so you have to realize it's not selfish bargaining. It's not if you give me what I want, then I'll do a little something for you. No. It's, it's God. Give me a son that you would be glorified. That you would be honored. That you would be recognized in this very immoral and godless time. That you would receive the glory and the honor. And it's God's name and God's reputation that she is longing for. And you, you have to just picture that even as God answers her prayer, she receives this child. And everybody hears, oh, 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 Hannah has a child. Praise, Praise the Lord, absolutely. And then she turns around and gives that child up. And people say, what's, what's that? I mean, that is, this is your firstborn son. This is the child that would inherit. This is the child that would care for you in your old age. This is the child of you. She gives him back. How does Peninnah feel when Hannah gives the child back? Peninnah, who's been on Hannah's case, on Hannah's case year after year, give glory to God. It's not about me, Hannah said. I trust God. We all need to trust God. The child goes back to God. God deserves all honor, all glory in this and in everything. What a witness to Peninnah! What a witness to the extended family of Alcanna, who, who know the story of Hannah, who know that she prayed that the child is born and she gives him back. Oh, glory to God! God at the center. Hannah, who finally receives a child, gives it up. Unthinkable. But it declares the priority of God in her life, in our lives, in our prayer lives. It's not that we pray, Lord, I want this, I want that, this for me, this for me, everything for me. No. It's not bargaining with God to get what I can get. Because God will give us everything we need in his grace. But my prayer, our prayer, Hannah's prayer, is the priority of God that this is God's child and that God get all the glory and praise. So that's what's wrapped up in this powerful prayer of Hannah. Not a selfish bargain at all, but a real dedication that God be glorified and the real heart of the prayer is that God receive all the honor. And God answers that prayer. If our prayer is that God be honored and glorified in our lives and in what we do and in what he gives us, God will answer that prayer. So it's, it's not a bargain. It's the glory of God. It's the prayer from the heart, a prayer not even uttered in words, a prayer that truly seeks the honor and glory of God in our lives and in this world. And that prayer gets answered. And then in Hannah's response, Hannah's prayer of thanks highlights that side of it. You don't see it as much in just a simple reading of her prayer, but you see it fully in 1 Samuel 2, where it's very similar to Song of Mary in, in, in Luke, where, where Mary responds, God be glorified it's that kind of prayer and then it has very much uh, the center on the person and work of God and it, it speaks very little about personal benefits it does mention that that the barren woman has been given a child glory to God that's where it goes the glory of God is in view and the key point is is that God is not simply a means to an end for us Oh, I believe in God so that I'll benefit no God is the end in himself, his glory, his honor. That is our prayer, that he would be honored in us. And so, so 1 Samuel 2, verse 2, she lists the attributes of God. God is holy. He's without equal, unique. He's unchanging, reliable. He is our solid rock. And she goes on in joy-filled prayer. God is all-knowing, verse 3. God is all-powerful, verse 4. God is compassionate to the needy, verse 5. God is sovereign, totally in control, according to His good pleasure, working out His perfect will. He is gracious to those who acknowledge Him. He is just in all He does. What a a prayer. What What a living rightly before God. This is Hannah's prayer. Needs to be our prayer, our constant prayer. And so, so in looking at this prayer, the, the sense of, of praying for the Son, praying for a Son, if we, if we think it into our understanding too, of God's glory in His Son, Jesus Christ. So who is the son that we pray for? We pray for the son of God, Jesus Christ, for the honor, the glory of his name in our lives and in this world. We we have at the heart of our our living in faith before God that, that his son and the work of his son and the life of his son would be the center and would be honored and would be glorified in our lives and in this world that that our hearts would have that focus and our prayer, Lord Jesus, uh, be honored in my life, Lord Jesus, live in me by your word and spirit, that sense of of honoring God in the Son is is a way of of seeing the connection of, of god 's Continued work in our world and in our lives. Like Hannah in God's Son, Jesus Christ, we understand God's great grace and faithfulness and we see his glory. John 1 verse 14 says, When you see Jesus, you have seen the glory of God. And to pray in the name of Jesus, to pray for, for Jesus to be lifted up, is to pray for the glory of God in our lives and in this world. So Hannah's prayer guides us into that that beautiful, deeper understanding of who God is, that all we have is from God, that all we have been given should also be used, given back to God in lives of thankful service in Jesus Christ, God's Son, our Savior. Amen. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you.